Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And welcome back to Wrestling Mindset. Today we have a very special guest, the great Coach Tadaki Hada. Coach, thank you very, very much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Yes. So I have this great book that our that our mutual friend Don Ernst sent me a while ago with your autograph in here, and this is an excellent book. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I'm sorry about Don yes. passing, but uh, you know he uh, had your name on the list yes. of the people that he's gonna give my books to. So I'm I'm glad you uh, you know we got together here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was very interested in, in how, how judo and wrestling, how they kind of came together. Can you talk about that connection? Yeah. Okay. You got to go back to my father's time. That uh, Actually, he uh, uh, tried to promote judo here in this country, USA, in 1929. And uh, he learned wrestling when he was here at that time. And he uh, brought the wrestling back to Japan, and he started a wrestling uh, a team uh, about 90 years ago at his university, uh, Waseda University. Uh, actually, Waseda University is doing a uh, uh, 93-year anniversary uh, memorial uh, celebration on the 29th of April this year and uh Waseda University asked me to do a painting of my father uh to put in his uh in the wrestling room uh for the permanent uh exhibit or whatever you call it. But anyways, so he brought wrestling from uh USA and he he already knows new judo. So so combine those two things together. Uh, 
he's telling judo people to study wrestling and the wrestling people to study judo. And um, I started doing judo when I was in the middle school and uh, then started wrestling in high school. So judo helped me in certain places uh, when the uh, throw is needed. It comes out almost automatically. You don't plan on that moves when you are in that situation. So obviously judo helped me. And also, you know, my sons did judo before uh, wrestling. Right. I, I spoke to yeah. Ben. I spoke to Ben the other day. He was uh, he was on yeah. the show the other day, and he yeah, was. He, yeah, he told me about that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so would you recommend a young kid to start wrestling and judo at the same time? How old should they start judo? If you, you know what, judo, you can start judo anytime. You know, when you start walking, you know, like Yoshi and Ben and Robert and those guys start doing judo like uh, six years old. I think Yoshi started earlier than that, three or four years old, I guess, because his dad was judo instructor. So, you know, you can start judo any time. And the first thing they teach you is how to fall so you don't get hurt. It's very important. Yes. I never remember learning how to fall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's... Yeah. You know, that's very important, you know, how to fall and you don't get hurt in any sports. I'm talking about you know, baseball, hockey, or tennis, or anything, or rugby, football, anything that you're going to fall sometimes, right. then you got to protect yourself, especially protect your head from uh, hitting the ground. Right, right. And now, so when, when your father went back to Japan after learning about wrestling, yes. he, he started wrestling in Japan. What did, what did he... How did he uh, integrate wrestling? How did he bring it to different schools? Did did um, Japanese scientists, did they start studying wrestling? How did they integrate the information? How did they bring the information into Japan? Because Japan became one of the top countries in the, in the world by the time the 60s, 70s. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, what he did was the, the first wrestlers were judo guys who learned you know, wrestling from uh, from Americans at that time. Then he went back home and established wrestling team. I think just to, with the, the guys on the team, judo team, to start wrestling. And they call it uh, wrestling as a naked judo. That means they're you know, wrestling with just their pants or shorts at that time. And judo had judo gi. You have to wear robe and pants. So they just took off the robe and started wrestling. On the judo mats, they didn't have wrestling mats at that time. Wow. And and then how did they learn so quickly the sport of wrestling? How did How did they start? Did they bring in coaches? Did your father bring in coaches from around the world, or did he go to different places? At that time, you know, we're talking about 1930, you know, one, two, three, 
Uh, I do not think they had an exchange program at that time. Uh, but in 1950s, right. they had exchange programs. You know, the Japanese team came over to the U.S. The U.S. team went over to Japan. In the meantime, I think he has some. Uh, he made friends from the U.S. and he learned some wrestling moves in different places. I'm uh, I'm sure in 1932 Olympics, the uh, judo guys came as a wrestlers, and the record was two and out. You know what I mean? You didn't win anything, but he I think he made some friends there. And he learned some wrestling at that time. Okay. And then I know there was the exchange uh -huh. program at Oklahoma State. When you, you talk, you went there and a few other people, right? Yeah, that was at the end of 1950s, like a 59. Around that time, my, my, my brothers came over and got a scholarship and, uh, other guys followed my, me, myself, uh, Yojiro, and a few other you know, wrestlers came from Japan, went to Oklahoma State. Okay. And then how did you develop as a coach? Because I know you've, you've coached in, not, not only in Japan, but Mexico, the United States, all around the world. Uh, you know, actually what I did was when I was a student in high school, I took a note. You know, as I, you know, spend time in, a, in a training camps or whatever camps I want, and I still have those notes from way back. Then also I took notes during the practice at the Oklahoma State, and you know what I did was uh, I wrote down whatever I learned at, at that time, and also I started drawing pictures, as you can see in my book. Yes. And the drawing will help to understand the you know, position or direction of a movement or whatever. So uh, uh, I use, I don't know how to say it, but uh, I use uh, some kind of a teaching method. So, you know, just a regular guy or person will understand what I'm talking about. It's like a step-by-step -step process. Right. And now, did you, did you learn that from someone else, or was that something more you realized you needed to develop? Uh, I learned that from a couple of coaches at that time. One uh, coach was a silver medalist in uh, Melbourne in 1956 Olympics, and his name is uh, Kasahara. And also another guy was uh, Shozo Sasahara. He's a gold medalist in the 56 Olympics. Those two guys, actually, I learned, you know, stance and uh, takedowns, the double leg takedowns or whatever, based on the science. And also, I learned how to use the leverage by watching those guys. And, you know, so I use a lot of leverage when I was teaching uh, different moves and techniques. Yes, I, I noticed that inside the glossary. The glossary, you have center of gravity, lever, yeah. fulcrum, 
And I, I feel like a lot of times, a lot of coaches I've, I've dealt with, they don't really speak about wrestling in terms of the physiology, the, the, the biomechanics, the science, like the physics, right? Yes. Okay. What I learned, you know, when I was still learning wrestling in a high school level, the center of gravity, I tried to study it. And, you know, actually, once you start falling, you cannot stop it until you hit the ground. So, you know, when you're wrestling or teaching wrestling moves, you, you know, actually what you're doing is trying to make that your opponent fall down with double legs or grabbing two legs or grabbing one leg or whatever you're doing, underhook or overhook. Try to make that person lose the balance or to make him uh, fall to the ground. And that becomes the center of gravity, becomes a very important part of that process. The time is now to take your mindset to the next level with Wrestling Mindset. Make sure you go to our website, wrestlingmindset.com, and sign up for your free trial session today. Don't wait any longer. You want the mental edge right now. When you sign up for the free trial session, you're also going to get a copy of our free ebook, Building the Predator Mindset. This book has helped thousands of people build confidence, relax under pressure, get motivated, and build mental toughness in wrestling, school, and life. Make sure you sign up for your free trial session today. Right. And and were those coaches that you made, that you named before? Is that what gave you that that thinking? Because you said there was there was also the science behind it, studying the science. Was that yes, mainly you know Shozo Sasahara. I don't know if you have seen that book he wrote. Uh, it's called Scientific Wrestling. Okay. And everything is based on the science, and I think he developed that you know, for actually his teaching method. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with him and I learned things with, with what he's doing and I will repeat it to him and he will say, okay, you're doing a good job and do that part, you know, whatever. So basically you see things with the leverage every day in your life, you know, at doors and, you know, parts of the cars or, you know, can opener or whatever. Everything's based on the leverage. Right. And I, I love how you have the science, but you also, like you said, make it relatable to everyday people like a, the the, brooms, the broomstick. They're just such a <laughs> yeah. I've watched you on videos uh, on uh, with the broomstick, the coach with the broomstick, moving the people. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, that's, uh, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, sweep the floor, you know, best result you're going to get is you have to have two hands on it, on the broomstick. You can still, you know, sweep with one, you know, hand on it, but you may have less control and less power on a on a broom. So when I was sweeping the floor, I was thinking about single leg takedowns, and that became part of that. I said, you know, aha moment. You know, I said, oh, this is what you got to do to the leg. 
just like you're grabbing a you know broomstick with two hands. Yes. So now two two hands where where there's a lock, where there's a lock, or they're not locking. Uh, you can lock it if you want to, but I'd rather not lock it, so you can still control, you know, opponent's leg at the same time, applying a leverage, and protecting the uh, uh, one wrist outside of the wrist, so your opponent cannot grab it to defend himself. So so how would your hands be? Would your hands be like this, or would your hands be crossed? Something like that, yeah, crossing, arm crossing. While, you have, while you have yeah. the leg, you wouldn't be cross. you wouldn't be, yes. you'd be like that. I'm yeah, so what you're doing is you're crossing the hands, that part of the hands or wrist, you have the hole right here, the opening, that's where the leg is. At the same time, you actually doing the lever lever action, so he his body weight is transferred to the one foot which is he's standing on, and he has no chance to counterattack at that moment. That's what I like to do. And as soon as I get into single leg position, do that lever action. So you take his. Counter-attack counter opportunity away. Okay. And now I listened to your uh, your show on Wrestling Changed My Life with Ryan Warner. Yeah. And I remember you, I, I feel like you said something about this, about that some of the top wrestlers that you've watched, even in the country, Kyle Dake, that if they did certain things, they would have more yeah. success. Is that what you were referring yeah. to? You called it yeah. something. What, what was the name yeah. that you had for it? What was the name of what? I couldn't hear. You had a certain name. It wasn't. It wasn't the impossible leg. You were or the. You you had some kind of name for what you how you would finish a single leg, or a certain drill that you would do it that you would that you would have them do. Okay, the I think that you're talking about the leverage uh, part. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. So. Um. I told uh, Jordan Boros at the National NCAA Championship this year, I just grabbed his leg and did, you know, demonstrate that lever position. I don't know if he, he understood what I was doing. I don't know. Maybe he, this crazy guy, old guy, came up and grabbed his leg. But anyways, I did that to him. And if he understands it, his single leg is going to be Excellent, untouchable. You know, since he has double leg, you know, shots that no no one can stop. Right, and and that's what we're referring to. What you were just referring to right now, the way you would lock your hands and the way you would sit them down. Yeah, yeah. Before you sit them down, you just do that lever action. So you're transferring all the weight, your weight, his weight, onto the remaining foot, which he's standing on. He cannot counterattack if his that foot cannot move. Right. No, that that makes sense. And then I like I like the other pictures in the book about the the bull fight for an arm drag where you turn them to the side. The bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and the, yeah. and the whip when you're snapping the whip. 
Yeah, that's the way your arm arm action when you snap, you know, head snap or whatever you're snapping. That action of the arm, like a whipping the uh, bullwhip. Yeah, I th I thought that's excellent. And you drew all these pictures. Yes, I did. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thanks. Nice. And I see, I see someone with a baseball bat, and I see the two, yeah. the, the two-headed man on bottom, where the head's on the yeah. other side. And I thought that made a lot of sense because when you're on bottom, you want to pressure back. Exactly. Yes. So you, you know, if you can reverse your head or face or whatever, and if you look, okay, when you human beings built to go forward, face side. You know what I mean? If you walk in, a, like, let's say in a mall, shopping center or whatever, you start walking backwards, you know, people think you're crazy. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, okay, so human beings are made to go forward. Okay. So you, if you're facing your opponent, it's very comfortable. Now you turn yourself around and not facing your opponent, you are not comfortable. But when you're wrestling from the bottom position in a college style or high school style, you have to use your back. You can't see, you cannot see your opponent. So you have to feel your opponent with your back. That's why I drew the picture with a guy with a head and, you know, backside. Yes. <laughs> so you, you can understand why you have to, you know, take your hips out lean backwards a little bit in squat position. Right. So, you know, that's why I drew that picture. And and these pictures are very helpful because when you when you make the, and the arrows really help. I mean it's very, very descriptive all of this. So this was um like I said, this is tremendous. I would love do you still do clinics at different places? Do yes. You... Yes I do. Yes. Yeah. All right. As long as I, as long as I can walk and stand up straight, I can still do the clinic. We got to we got to get you to New New Jersey yeah. sometime, coach. Do you ever come okay. to New Jersey? You ever come to New Jersey or New York City? Yeah, I've been in New York City for uh the tournament, New York AC uh Bill Farrell. Yeah. International uh, Memorial Tournament. I was there. Oh yeah. You know, I don't mind coming up there. New Jersey is just right across the river. Right. Yes. Yes. Now, now, one thing I noticed about some of the Japanese wrestlers in the seventies, I noticed a lot of them have very wide stances. Kudo, Takata, their stances were very wide. Is that is that you? Is that more taught in Japan having a wider stance, or should your feet be shoulder width, or is that just those wrestlers? I think maybe they develop some you know style, you know their own. But uh, I learned how to uh, stand. Uh, with a little bit wider than your shoulder width, and bend your knees, lean forward a little bit, and uh, you know keep your elbows in or whatever, keep your head up. And uh, so I don't know about the their stance, but basically, you know, if you have a little bit wide stance and you know hips down, you have pretty good, you know, pretty good strong stance there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I didn't know if that was something that was 
in in the the Japan Japanese school, maybe they taught that more, or maybe it was just those wrestlers. I, I don't know. Uh, it could be, you know, learning from a sumo stance. They go a little wider stance and hips real down, low position. You know, like a squat position. That's a very strong position. Okay. Okay, but then, but then, if you're wider, then sometimes then the mobility isn't as fast. It's strong, but it might not be as fast. Um, I don't know. But I, I don't know. They, they may be able to move a little faster. Yeah. With the you know stance, with the wider stance, but be able to move it. And uh, I like to uh, emphasize on the one thing that the. Uh, Miyamoto, Musashi Miyamoto, okay, he was a, a sword master, 1600, okay, he he has a, a teaching method, to, you know, divided into different areas of fighting with a sword, and uh, he, he, he mentioned about the footwork, and I, when I was reading that, and I said, okay, this could be in, used in the wrestling, Okay, so you, he says, if you move one foot, make sure you move the other foot. Okay. Okay, so if you go forward with one foot, you move the other foot. It could go forward or backwards or sideways, but as long as you move it, so you can make another move. If you don't move that second foot, you know what's going to happen in the sword fighting. You end up in the, getting killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, that's why he, he moved one foot, makes sure you move the other foot. So actually what he's doing is as long as, you know, he, he's in the striking distance, you are you know, making his, himself in motion, constantly moving. Right, so you're not at you're you're not at you're not you're not your target isn't still you're not still you're moving. Correct. Through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's right. I read that in your I read that in your book this morning. I was going through it, and you said anytime uh -huh. anytime you make contact, you have to make yeah. sure you're moving while you're making contact. Yes, correct. Yeah, and I like to say it, uh, it doesn't. I don't want to say just moving. It says change your location. So you don't stay in one, you know, one location. You just move to another location. Right. So you know, he, he or your opponent doesn't have a hundred percent strength against you. Right. That that makes sense. And you probably see people make that mistake all the time, only moving one leg. Yes. Yes. That means you know, like a kids wrestling and shuffling feet. You know. One foot go off forward, backwards. One, you know, like an opponent can time it. Right. He, yeah. Right. What are what are some other common mistakes that you see that you would tell a wrestler to avoid, or or maybe a skill, or you know, different things like that. Basically, common mistakes that you see, like that. Uh, again, you know, just like you said, you know, like. When you're in contact with your opponent, any place, you know, head to head, hand to head, or shoulder to shoulder, or whatever, 
position, baby. Change your location. Move from one location to another. The same time you're looking for opening, so you can shoot. So he may use your hands, head, you know, elbow grab, wrist grab, or whatever. Underhook, overhook, you know, head snap. You know, start adding different things to put your opponent in unbalanced position. So main thing he's worrying about is regaining the balance, so regaining the stance okay. instead yeah. of instead of attacking you. Right. Well, that makes sense. Are there are there any other situations or any other? Skills that wrestlers are maybe un that you that you notice they're underdeveloped. They need to do a little bit more of this, or maybe they have to do a little bit less of something that you see them doing. Okay, you know what? Um, if you're coaching the kids, okay, you can teach them something like uh, the movement that your opponent cannot stop. And also the movement that you can do without your opponent stopping you. So you do that move first. Then you do that next move. You know, you, you understand what I'm talking about? If you, if you, your opponent grab your wrist, don't move that wrist. Use the other hand if it's, he doesn't have a, you know, wrist control on that. Right. Use that hand instead of moving, trying to move the hand or wrist that your opponent's grabbed. Okay, I, yeah, I never thought about that. You're right. A lot of times, if you grab something, I try to do something with that hand. You're saying use the free hand. Yes, and also another thing, like a your down position in the college style, and your opponent grabs your ankle. Yeah, one ankle. Don't move that ankle. Move the other foot. Step up. Then start working on the other leg, the other ankle. Ah, okay. Because usually you're taught. I remember when I was taught, if someone grabs my ankle, you pivot back and you grab that hand. Yes, that's what I mean by you, you pivot back. But okay. before you pivot, move the other foot and step up. Okay, to, and then pivot. And then pivot. Then you pivot. Then you have a full strength against your opponent's one hand. Okay, it's in the book. It's in my book. Okay. Okay. It's great. Yes, I gotta go. I'm I'm still working through it, but it's great. I've gone through okay. pieces of it, and now I'm yeah. now I'm starting to read it straight from through. But it's excellent. No, Thank you. Real, really great, Coach. Thank you very much for everything. And then also, I noticed so you you piece together statues. Talk about that. How, oh, did, you, yeah. how uh, did you get into that? You do great work okay. with that. Uh, okay, one, there's a couple of churches I go and uh, help them with uh, statues. If something is broken or missing, you know, I'll fix it. And uh, there was one uh, church that the uh, priest brought out all the uh, statues, even if some something broken or missing hands and stuff like that. Now, you know, I said, I can fix it. You know, that was the beginning of the uh, uh, restoring some statues. And the uh, worst one was uh, actually one uh, 
somebody tried to move the statue on the the uh, podium with the wheels on the bottom, and it it got caught on the uh, like a mic microphone wires or something, and the statue started falling, and it, it fell on the guy. But he 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 saved it part of it, and he split uh, bottom part is split in half. So my task is to fix that. <laughs> so you know, actually, what I do is actually uh, patching up the missing part or whatever, and I paint it to the the colors that is uh, is on the statue, so it looks like a brand new but <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so now will people mail you their statues from around no. the country or just those two churches no I, I just go to the couple of churches there in the Cleveland area yeah. and one church is almost done like a you know statue with a missing finger I'll make the finger and attach it so it looks like a you know the brand new whatever. Because, well, I, I say because my brother's a priest in New Jersey. He oh. was a wrestler. Now he's a priest. So I could get you a lot oh, of yeah. I could get oh. you this. <laughs> See if anything is broken, you know? <laughs> yes. Oh, and then one more thing. I forgot to ask you about rugby. How did you yes. get involved with rugby? Okay. Uh, when I was in grade school, my uh, gym teacher used to play rugby, so he, he introduced the rugby into a gym class, and uh, that grade school had a rugby team, but I didn't play there. I went out for uh, gymnastics or something. But anyways, uh, so I learned rugby basics there in grade school level. Then uh, after I finished a, uh, wrestling in Chicago area where I was, uh, living uh, and they, uh, my landlord asked me to paint you know one of those uh, her uh, apartments and uh, I went there and started painting indoor and a couple guys living there play rugby and we start talking about rugby and you know my first question is when is the practice so I joined a, I joined a team there. It's called uh, Chicago Griffins, and uh, they're a pretty good team right now. That's great. That's how I I start rugby. That's great. That's great. And they and then you started coaching. Yes, yes. Actually, I started a rugby team at the Saint uh, Saint Edward's High School in Cleveland with the two other coaches. And right now, it's coaching at St. Ignatius High School. Excellent. Yeah, and we won the national title last year in the state championship, I think, uh, six out of seven or eight last uh, seven years. How did, how did coaching wrestling help you coach rugby? Uh, <laughs> mainly my my. Part of my coaching is just teaching how to tackle. So, you know, I teach them like a high crouch position, 
you know, single leg, hike, head outside to a double leg position, things like that. If you grab one leg, you switch to double and keep your head up, pull the outside leg into your chest. Excellent. So I teach them how, you know, like body positions. And uh, if you have a, like a seventh and eighth grade wrestling experience, okay. and he'll, he'll make the great rugby guy. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yes. <laughs> Excellent, Coach. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to recommend to all of our viewers to get your book. Excellent. I got the tabs going all over the side. <laughs> I already got the, right. the, the pictures and I'm still going through it. So thank you very much. Right. I really appreciate You're welcome. it. You're welcome. Okay. Right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.